1: Welcome on into the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Thursday, June 13th, not July 13th. Shout out to last week when I thought it was July. Uh, my name is Jake Luke. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my co host, Vasily Luricos. What's up, bud? I can't complain, Jake. How you doing? Good, man. Uh, pretty good uh, week here at work. Wrapping up here on a Thursday night. Can't complain about that. Got the U.S. Open kicking off, so I'm going to have that on in the background watching my guy Tiger and uh, some other guys that I have a little bit of action on. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be a fun weekend. What's your NBA Finals prediction? I'm going to go Raptors tonight. What do you think? I, I think I think uh, Golden State's going to take it to seven. You really think so?
0: I do. I do. Yeah, I could see, yeah, but, I could see uh, them
1: taking it to seven, but, yeah, it's like – Losing Durant and then Looney was it? I don't know. That's just a lot of points that you got to get out of guys that aren't named Clay and Steph. I don't know if they can they can manage that.
0: They got to put Quinn Cook in more. They need another another shooter to space the floor.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I guess he doesn't play defense as good as Iggy, so it's a uh, it's a balance. But uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of good basketball talk there. I am sure that's what everyone was tuning in for, don't you think?
0: <laughs>
1: Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of that, let's get into our Ravens news for the week. So starting things off, a little bit of weird news, bad news. I don't really know how to put it. Um, Definitely big news, a little bit of a pun. Uh, Michael Pierce, he shows up to camp pretty badly out of shape. He was sent off the field by John Harbaugh ahead of what was supposed to be his first practice. And it's going to be a contract year here for the, I think, fourth year defensive tackle. What were your thoughts when you uh, saw this news?
0: Uh, It's definitely disappointing to see him out of shape in a contract year. Arb's definitely made an example out of him. That was a uh, kind of put him on blast there in the oppressor. Uh, but Pierce, he's always been a Husky dude. That's just his body type. He definitely added some pounds for sure, but he wasn't exactly svelte last season while he was grading out as the team's best defender. I think he's going to be okay. I don't think it's a huge deal. We'll we'll see if he passes the conditioning test on the first day of training camp next month.
1: Yeah, right. It's a it's a tough spot, and it is a tough look for him entering that contract year. And you know, you don't want to do too much of this because it's a little unfair. But you do kind of have to wonder where his head's been at the past couple of months, where he's showing up like this. But and like you said, it, it may be tougher for the bigger guys to stay on top of that kind of stuff. But you need to be able to get him on the field during mini camp So it kind of does suck from that perspective, but ultimately I think he's going to be okay long-term. He's just got to make sure he's he's right for training camp, but really he's only hurting himself as far as contract status. So it's like Wink Martindale said, it's it's about the choices, and you just got to make the right ones here, especially in this uh, crucial time of his life. Yeah, he's got about 30 days to knock off, what, maybe 20 pounds? And then he's got to – then through
0: training camp too. So I think it's doable. He, he's going to be a big space eater inside and being – A little bit heavier than his best playing weights, not the worst thing in the world.
1: Yeah, right. He doesn't have to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson out there. He's just got to be in, you know, practicing shape. So hopefully he can get there for training camp. Speaking of a guy who we hope is going to be there in training camp for the Ravens, Hollywood Brown. Uh, John Harbaugh sounded pretty optimistic that he'll be cleared for training camp despite not practicing the spring. I also saw a little article from ESPN's Jameson Hensley who said he may not be. So I guess conflicting reports there, but at least from Harbaugh, who I would maybe trust a little bit more, there seems to be some optimism surrounding that. What do you think?
0: Well, that's always been the plan. DaCosta envisioned uh, Marquise Brown to be ready for training camp when he was drafted. He said they had some experience with the Liz Frank injury. Jimmy Smith actually had an interesting quote. He said he thinks Hollywood's going to be fine because he knows where he's going on the play. He's not a cornerback that has to be Changing direction, he already knows the route that he's running, so I guess that works in his favor. But he did have those two screws inserted into his foot to repair that Liz Frank injury back in January, and when the screws go in, you know, that sometimes can be, uh, you know, they they lose a little bit of speed or agility at least to start out. So hopefully, he'll be ready to go and uh, and back to the player that made him the first round pick that he was.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said about him. Um... And, like, it seems like he's getting healthier and healthier as we go along here. And I think, uh, you know, it was good to see him out on the field there, despite not being able to participate in the practices. You know, we've been saying all along it's just smarter to play it safe with the guy. And I'm even comfortable holding him out till. The start of training camp, maybe even a little bit further if that's the cautious play. I think some of the other receivers, including like the undrafted guys like Joe Horn Jr., are apparently doing pretty well. They're holding their own out there throughout the spring practices. So I think the longer, the better if it gets him back to absolutely 100% for week one here. Another receiver that's performing pretty well at minicamp, at least according to our colleague Baltimore
0: Beatdown, Spencer Schultz, is second-year man Jaleel Scott. He has transformed his body, and he went up and mossed multiple corners for red zone touchdowns on the last day of minicamp today.
1: Yeah, it would be good to get a lot out of him, and, I mean, why not? If Holly, I mean, Hollywood's obviously going to be playing a big role in this offense, so why not while he's out? get a look at some of these other guys, hold Hollywood out a little bit longer, see what you can get out of Julio Scott and some of these other undrafted guys and even, you know, guys like Jordan Lassley. See what you have. You know what I mean? Sure. It's a good
0: crew, deep group. We're going to do a full position breakdown of all the receivers of the AFC North later this episode.
1: Yeah, definitely. But uh, I guess moving on from that, uh, a little bit more news out of minicamp. It looks like Matt Judon did not give any contract updates, but he made it clear he wants to be in Baltimore long term. And then cornerback Jimmy Smith essentially said the same thing. Uh, and this is ahead of both of these guys last year's under contract.
0: Judon reportedly is in terrific shape heading into his contract year, unlike our friend Michael Pierce. Um, if he has another 7-10 to 10 sack year with double-digit tackles for loss and another 20-some quarterback hits or so, now with the offenses, excuse me, yeah, the offense is keying on him more without some of those other pass rushers on the opposite side, he's going to earn a, a really nice contract in excess of Jadarius Smith's massive deal, I believe. So we'll see if the Ravens want to pay up for that. Jimmy, he, he might end up leaving for greener pastures as well. He does have strong ties to the community. But money talks, you know, the cost to decide not to pay up for a, will, what will be 32-year-old corner, even if Jimmy does make the Pro Bowl in 2019.
1: Yeah, I think they're two guys at very different stages in their career with the team. You know, there are potential reasons that both may not be a part of the long-term plans of Owens Mills. I think Jimmy, like you mentioned, with his age and his injury history and some of even the recent off-the-field stuff, it gives me a feeling he may not be in the plans at all here. But I think Judon, it's a little bit more up in the air. Um, he seems kind of like a guy, just based on social media. I'm not insinuating anything, but it seems like he sort of just goes to the beat of his own drum sometimes. So I could see a guy like Harbaugh who likes to have a little bit more control. Not necessarily loving that, but I think if his production's good enough and he performs well again this year, and he kinds of kind of leads the way for the outside linebackers, I think you uh, you kind of have to get it done if you're DaCosta.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, but you're talking maybe 18 million a season or something. with the where the market is now. But then again, if he does perform as he has performed the last two years with more attention, more chip blocks, more double teams against him, I don't think you really have a choice. I mean, it's a premium position. You need pass rushers are arguably the second or third most important position on the entire roster.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, it kind of also raises the question of, like, how many of these guys are they just going to let walk out the door? I mean, I I know there's, you know, circumstances with some of them that have, and, you know, it sucks to lose a guy like Zadarius Smith, and it's just like at some point you just got to pay them, especially with the salary cap opening up a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Fifty-some million projected next year.
1: Got to go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You you had a couple other thoughts you wanted to throw out there before minicamp uh, talk ends here?
0: Yeah, a couple other players like to highlight – First off, Deshaun Elliott, the safety, another second-year player who was stashed on injured reserve last year. He's displaying real nose for the football throughout this spring. He's had a pair of highly real interceptions the last couple weeks, and he has a nice skill set. Just I remember breaking down his college tape. It's hard to find a guy that's not only a big hitter with range, but also gets a lot of interceptions, you know, most guys are one or the other. Kind of that ideal hybrid type of safety for split split zones or single high. You know, he can do a little bit of everything. The coaches seem excited to get him on the field. I think you could see some snaps and dime potentially. Maybe Jefferson moves down to take on some of Anthony Levine's hybrid safety linebacker reps.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can never have enough DBs, right? And so this is great to see. I mean, hopefully he winds up being that draft steal that some people saw him as last year. You were, you know, alluding to that a little bit. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens when the kind of real practices start up here with training camp, and uh, he's a guy I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on.
0: And speaking of DBs, crowded group of corners and safeties. Um, It's going to be a dogfight for those last couple spots. Cyrus Jones, the corner-slash-return man, is dealing with an undisclosed problem, an illness they've termed it, a long-term illness. not exactly clear. Uh, But without him being available, it leaves the team without a proven punt returner. As we've seen in years past, that role is important for the Ravens, and there's definitely some skill to it. You can't just throw anybody back there. Apparently, Tavon Young has received some reps I think he's probably the best option to return punts if Cyrus doesn't make the team. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, yeah, it does sound like Jones is dealing with like a health issue or something personal, so hopefully he's all right. But uh, yeah, beyond that, I think Tavon would be a solid candidate. I don't really know how fast he is, but he is sort of that slot guy who's a bit undersized. He kind of cuts the figure. so I think if Jones can't make that return, then hopefully they figure out sooner rather than later. And uh, yeah, Tavon is definitely a guy that I personally would start with.
0: I mean, I I think Chris Moore, he's more of a kick returner. Yeah, straight line.
1: Willie Sneed's had a
0: little bit of punt return experience, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to break a play and probably more valuable to save those hits. Yeah, right. I know the other guy you you mentioned potentially would be Hollywood but I think you got to get him healthy first.
1: Also yeah that's going to be like kind of a pitch count kind of thing like when they would throw Ed Reed back there just every now and then just to kind of you know keep you a little bit honest as a punter. But yeah that that would be pretty cool to see once he's healthy.
0: Yeah, situationally, you need a big return late in the fourth quarter or something, why not put it in what's presumably going to be your best playmaker's hands. Uh, The last topic to touch on uh, regarding minicamp before we have this extended break of action here, about a month until training camp begins, is uh, the offensive line, the much-debated left guard position. Another man who has been unable to practice is Alex Lewis, the former starter, still nursing that shoulder injury. I'd imagine patience is starting to wear thin with the often unavailable blocker working in his in his place. With the first team during minicamp was Jermaine Illuminor. Apparently, Joe D likes his physicality.
1: Yeah, I mean that's good to hear. The left guard spot gains a little bit of clarity, I guess. Um, It does suck to see Lewis still injured because I was kind of hoping that he would take over that spot. But it's good to see Illuminor's versatility uh, on display here, and you know we're going to see if he can keep it rolling through camp. I mean, he's played tackle. I think he might have done a little bit of interior work as well. But uh, yeah, just another spot that he can play. I mean, good for him.
0: Yeah, he was a guard. He played mostly guard the first year with the team. Um, Offensive line coach Joe D. You know, I think Harbaugh kind of let him choose and. Harbaugh himself said that the starting left left guard job is a wide-open competition heading into camp. I think Illuminor probably has the strongest anchor between all the competitors at that spot, and that that certainly helps uh, prevent the pocket from collapsing. I, I wouldn't be upset at all if he won the job.
1: Yeah, it's going to be necessary for an interior that got freaking manhandled in the playoffs, so maybe he could uh, bring some strength to the interior of that unit. But, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting battle. I mean, probably one of the more hotly contested ones throughout camp. It's not really something you automatically think of as a fan in the offensive line, but uh, it's one of the most important ones on the entire team, so we'll see how it shakes out, I guess.
0: Yeah, know yeah, that Left guard is is the one, and then the defensive side of the ball, it's the Will linebacker, and apparently uh, Chris board. And Kenny Young could be co-starters there alongside Peanuts. So those are the two main starting positions up for grabs, it seems.
1: Yeah, there you go. Chris Board still staying in the headlines there. So got to keep an eye on moving forward still, I guess. But, uh, yeah, speaking of continuing the headlines here, we had Adam Rank from NFL.com. I've always been a big fan of his writing. He profiled the Ravens in his State of the Franchise series that he's doing. And it looks like he likes their outlook this season. He's saying that they should win a playoff game and even push for an AFC Championship appearance. What did you think when uh, you heard this one?
0: Uh, AFC North or AFC Championship game might be a little bit of a stretch. But overall, I agree with, with Rank's outlook. Long, long way to go, obviously, but winning a playoff game or two is definitely reasonable. The Ravens right now in Vegas have the seventh best odds of winning the conference behind New England, KC, Indy, Cleveland, L.A., and Pittsburgh. Between those teams, the West Chargers and Chiefs present probably the two worst matchups for Baltimore. But they can beat anybody. They're not uh, outmanned and outclassed by any of those teams, I don't think. And this uh, iteration of the Ravens has seemingly excellent synergy between the coaches and their schemes and the personnel that they have at their disposal. It's a deep and versatile team if everything comes together. I think Baltimore is fully capable of taking that next step from a wildcard weekend appearance to making that deeper run into January.
1: I didn't really take it too seriously either, but uh, yeah, I liked what I heard. I mean, it's always good to kind of get that national media love in a smaller market here, and especially in an offseason that's been kind of dominated by the Browns hype and all the drama in Pittsburgh. I don't know if it's like I'd necessarily agree with him for the AFC championship, like you were saying, um, at least not as early as this year. But I think if things break right, right with uh, the team here, they should be in contention to do it, you know, down the road, at, you know, at least a once or twice uh, within the next couple of years if they turn into what the front office seems to think they can be.
0: And a quick side note note before we jump into our uh, week two early outlook against Arizona, but apparently there's a little discontent in Cleveland this week. Did you catch that report?
1: Uh, Yeah, I certainly did. You want to uh, share with the uh, audience a little bit? Well, apparently Baker Mayfield
0: uh, had something to say about Duke Johnson's contract or trade demands, and uh, apparently that's a no-no. You're supposed to let people handle their business on their own, and some of Baker's teammates decided to confront him about it
1: yeah you don't talk about a guy's money um, I, I like Baker but I think he was a little bit off base on that one I think he's uh, a sensible enough guy to learn uh, not to do that once he's been told by the veterans who sounded uh, sounded a little dramatic like they were cornering him or something like that but uh, yeah maybe a little bit of an overblown thing because it was put out there by Mike, St- Mike Silver who has an axe to grind with the Browns after they unfairly fired Hugh Jackson after winning like one game in a million years uh, his good buddy Hugh Jackson so yeah I, I don't know if i'm totally buying into the report that it was this uh anchorman-esque battle royale uh with baker kind of going up against his other teammates but uh yeah it's funny i think um if you're a ravens fan these kind of things are going to be pushed out there and made a big deal of and like if you're a browns fan then like the michael pierce stuff is going to be the same thing it's kind of turning into a little bit of a rivalry and uh i don't hate it personally
0: (laughs) No, not at all. It's uh, It could be a good rivalry. The other piece of news, maybe more relevant coming out of Cleveland, is that apparently the install of the offense is not going too well so far.
1: Yeah, I saw that as well. Um, it's interesting, for sure, uh, with everybody kind of already crowning Mayfield as like this next great Pat Mahomes-type quarterback who's going to make a huge leap in year two. I mean... There's a lot of new pieces around him, a lot of new faces. Freddie Kitchens isn't the offensive coordinator right now. It's Todd Munkin, who came in from Tampa Bay. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know what the fit there is exactly. I I don't know too much about Munkin's offense, but um, it feels like with that talent, you should be able to at least make something work. So that's kind of a strange report to be seeing in OTAs. It sure is. And we'll continue to monitor
0: the Ravens' uh, rivals throughout the offseason. And now moving on to our next segment, we are previewing every regular season game. The Ravens are doing an early preview, and we're moving on to week two at Arizona. Any top-line thoughts about this matchup?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see how things come together for the Cardinals. I mean, they have essentially an entirely new offense, at least at the skill positions there, and obviously at quarterback as well with Kyler Murray coming in there for Josh Rosen. But as much as they've made the changes to the receiving core, it's going to be interesting because I think the Ravens are going to be pretty strong against the pass this year, and they have made a ton of changes changes to those skill positions, but with with the Ravens sort of lockdown emphasis on the secondary there, I, I'm going to be interested in that matchup. What, uh, what are some of the ones that you're eyeing up?
0: Yeah, well said, Jake. That's the ace in the hole, always the Ravens secondary. You can go and neutralize a lot of teams and put the game plan on its head in a lot of ways with that. The Cardinals won just three games last season. They're going to be flying across the country for a one o'clock kickoff. So, certainly a winnable matchup. However, I don't expect a blowout necessarily. Zona has some talented players, and that new head coach, Kingsbury, he utilizes an innovative air raid spread type uh, scheme on offense. Headlining that offense, tailback David Johnson's hoping to get back on track. And rookie quarterback Kyler Murray is a dual-threat playmaker. I expect him to start from day one. And they will field some weapons in the passing game. Future Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk's a talented receiver. And within the two rookies, Andy Isabella and Hakeem Butler, the offensive line, that's their major vulnerability. Winning the line of scrimmage will be the key to keeping Johnson bottled up and forcing Murray the checkdowns.
1: Yeah, I think the key word that you kind of mentioned a few times there is talent. I think Murray's going to be able to create a little bit, um, especially if the Ravens pass rush, looking a little bit patchwork right now, you know. And they have talent on D as well. I mean, our guy Terrell Suggs, he's going to be making his return in this game. I think he's probably going to want to show out a little bit against uh, the the fans that loved him for so many years. And I, they added some pieces on D as well, besides him, like Byron Murphy. They got at the top of the second round at corner. I think he's very good. They're not going to have Patrick Peterson in this one, so that hurts a little bit. Uh, Buda Baker is a player in the secondary. They still have Chandler Jones. So there's talent, but I just don't see a lot of cohesion here just yet. And I think they're a year away from fielding a serious defense. I think their offense is going to be running around a little bit. They're going to make some plays, but I think the Ravens have enough on offense, particularly in the running game. They got enough in their pants that I think they should be able to control this one pretty comfortably. I'm not expecting a blowout, like you said, but if it were two scores, I wouldn't be surprised at all.
0: Suggs' homecoming should be fun, and uh, I think they're going to have a decent pass rush. Chandler Jones is a pro bowler. I mean, he's a really good player. You cover the secondary well. Missing Peterson helps a lot. Baker and Murphy are decent, but the other two men or three men back there can definitely be beaten It was middle-of-the-road defense last year. They did add Jordan Hicks to that undersized, rangy linebacking corpse. Um, So it might be a little bit of a hybrid defense that they run, 3-4. Maybe neutralize a little bit of the Ravens uh, running, especially outside the tackles. I think Greg Roman's best bet is going to be to establish to run early, up the gut. And then hit them over the top with play action, go deep on them. I, as you said, if if Kingsbury pans out, Zona can make a leap. Their depth chart is pretty well stocked with young talent, but this is just a really tough spot for them. Cross country, early kick. I think the Ravens are going to dominate the trenches on both sides. I think a grinding out, maybe 10-point home win for Baltimore is is my early prediction.
1: Even if he does pan out, and I'm hoping he does, I think it'll be more fun for the league. But even if he does, and even if Murray's a stud, eventually, I think it's a rookie quarterback in his second overall start in his entire career, going across the country, on the road, in a raucous environment. It's just a tough ask. So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting a Ravens win here.
0: No doubt. And now we're going to move on to our segment, our last offensive positional preview among the afc north uh, pretty good corpse top to bottom i'd say a lot of high end receivers in this
1: division who is your top dog my top dog is the team that is having trouble putting the offense together the cleveland browns i think in just two short years they went from being this kind of unwatchable firebomb on offense with Deshaun kaiser slinging it to the other team i think to one of the most talented offenses in the league and maybe nowhere more so than here at wide receiver you got Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry I think they're the best duo in the league right off the bat I really liked what I saw from Antonio Galloway if he can keep his head on straight I think he's going to be a nice wide receiver three for them and then and then also guys like Richard Higgins who's underrated he's made some plays against the Ravens and even other lesser known guys like Derek Willies I think made a couple plays for them last year so uh, I think they're uh, pretty deep here at the uh, wide receiver position what do you think about the Brownies?
0: I concur. I concur. They're they're the top team receiving corps in the North, unquestionably. They had a strong receiving corps last year, and then added ODB. I think he's arguably the most talented, naturally talented receiver in the game today. He was tremendous for the Giants, career average of 93 yards per game. And he might even have more opportunity now when paired with his former teammate, collegiate teammate, Landry, Landry's never intended to be an alpha wide out, but really good possession guy, one of the best possession guys. I agree, Higgins is underrated. Callaway is a nice burner. I mean, if you look at what Beckham and Landry have accomplished so far, they stack up well against the best receiving corps anywhere in the league, whether it be Minnesota or the Chargers or Tampa or whoever. Uh, Thankfully, the Ravens can counter with that perhaps lead secondary next season.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Who'd you have in number two? I'm going with Cincy. A.J. Green, seven-time Pro Bowler. He's missed some games over the last few years, but still remains one of the very few true number one receivers in the entire NFL. And then Tyler Boyd following his Ravens season-crushing touchdown In We 17 in 2017, he stepped up in a big way last year. Seven TDs, more than a thousand yards, better one of the better wide receiver twos around. John Ross, your former top 10 overall selection, he actually secured seven touchdowns last year. Limited yardage, but uh, seven scores are seven scores. He's aiming for a breakout campaign, and they have some nice depth. Pieces, red zone target Auden Tate, their slot man Alex Erickson, uh, special teams ace Cody Core. Receiver is clearly since he's best offensive position group, and I think they're a strong number two in this division.
1: Yep, and I was in lockstep with you on that. I think from the top, I really like what they have, obviously with uh, Green. And then Boyd there, who I'm not sure how many people across the league know about the guy, but we know all about him in Baltimore. He's a very good number two receiver. And yeah, some of those lesser known guys that you mentioned, Cody Core, Alex Erickson, they've stepped up every now and then when they've had to. And I still see a guy like Josh Malone is promising, too. So I think the bottom line is that Green and Boyd earn you a ton of points here. They're probably going to need some upgrades behind them at some point next off season, But for right now, I like him at number two.
0: Let's see if we're in agreement. I think maybe the first time since we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. I, I have Pittsburgh number three. Oh, we are. All right. Well, uh, I think Pittsburgh, the loss of Antonio Brown, it simply cannot be understated. AB was really the defining player on that team for the last eight years. I don't fault them for moving on. He regressed slightly last year, and the locker room dynamic became untenable. But his departure is going to negatively impact the Pittsburgh passing offense. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's already a top-flight receiver and will be a solid number one for sure, but he's going to be challenged by more bracket coverage now. And the real issue with this group is their underwhelming depth. Dante Moncrief is a journeyman number three. James Washington has a ton to prove. He's not a great athlete or a technician. Ryan Switzer is a gadget player, and their rookie, Deontay Johnson, he might need a redshirt year. I will say, watch out for slot man Eli Rogers. He's a pretty underrated player. All in all, a slightly below average core, not nearly what they were in years past.
1: Yeah, you know, Juju is a star, but is he a superstar? We don't know that yet. My bet would be probably not. More like you said, probably just a solid number one, which is great, but... You know, I at least trust that he'll be very productive this year. I have no idea what to expect from some of these other guys. Like James Washington looked pretty bad last year at times. Dante Moncrief, I don't know what to expect there. Deontay Johnson, a rookie, like you said, and then you know Ryan Switzer is just kind of that speed sweep kind of guy that you bring in every now and then. So I like Juju a lot. I don't like what they have behind him at all.
0: And bringing up the the bottom here, familiar spot, Ravens. I mean, until proven otherwise, they have to be, right? Right. Bolo's a potential. Truly, Bolo's a potential. Miles Boykin, he's got prototype measurables. Hollywood can certainly develop into a Tyreek Hill esque weapon. However, Willie Sneed is the only bankable performer right now. I'm on the Chris scoop and score bandwagon, hoping to see more consistent playmaking from Moore, but he has to prove it. Mike Floyd and Seth Rogers, Robert, excuse me, both intriguing. One could easily be a productive number three. I've never been too high on Lasley or Scott, but it's a deep group overall with the UDFAs, Sean Modsters flashing. Antoine Wesley's been turning some heads this spring. Overall, this receiver room oozes potential and competition, but I think they're still away for a year away from climbing up these rankings.
1: My thing with it is like I really like what they've done this off season but it's not still without its question marks at least not for 2019. Um Hollywood Brown is going to need to contribute a ton which you don't necessarily love that for a rookie receiver. Willie Snead he's going to ma- need to maintain that really good form and they're going to need to get some catches out of these guys like Seth Roberts and Miles Boykin. Uh, May need to work his way into the rotation here as well So I think the the 2019 additions to the receiving core. I think it constitutes a very good start To a position group that's played them for a long time But it's still a work in progress And I think uh, it's gonna be another year before we're ready to start talking about them having finally solved that issue here in Baltimore And
0: next week, I guess we're going to do sandwich special teams in before we go through our defensive rankings. And spoiler alert, the Ravens special teams are pretty good.
1: Yeah, as they usually are. Um, But, yeah, I guess that wraps up those segments. All right. And that wraps up our AFC North positional ranking for the week. And with that, that's going to wrap up our episode. Do you have any final thoughts you want to throw out before we get out of here? Sure. My final thought for this week, I am quite intrigued by
0: Greg Roman's new look offense based on the limited uh, footage and uh, availability we've had. Ronnie Stanley called it a revamp scheme. Passing game coordinator, David Cully said they have incorporated more combination routes. Roman has been toying around with all kinds of different personnel groupings. They have streamlined the play calls to allow for more efficiency, especially at the line. And the goal seems to be to create deception. Couple that with a roster that boasts the speed to maximize the gains this deception creates. Uh, I'm pretty excited for an offense that has been rather predictable for many years. Unpredictability would be quite a refreshing change.
1: Yeah, for me personally, I would just say keep an eye on some of these second-year guys who didn't see a ton of action last season. Uh, Keep an eye on them in training camp and when things kind of start back up here. I mean, we already discussed Elliott, who's been balling out this spring, but Julio Scott, I know you mentioned as well, that's another name to keep an eye on at wide receiver there, so... Uh, yeah, he had some nice days out there as well. Beyond him, you got guys like Anthony Averett, Jordan Lastly. They're going to be kind of key to how the roster ultimately fills out. So I'd say as a result of that, just monitor their progress closely here over these next few months uh, as they could prove to be kind of big-time depth pieces or even more down the line in 2019.
0: Absolutely. Good call. Really, really deep roster. There's probably maybe 60 roster-worthy players right now, so it's going to be a fun training camp for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's going to be tough. When cut day comes around, there's going to be a lot of tough cuts, just like it's uh, tough for me to say goodbye to you, buddy, but uh, I guess our episode is done for the week, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Peace.